Well, lots of people uh, send me jokes and cartoons, uh, including Marie, uh, ev- every, every Sunday, which I really appreciate. But some jokes are really ser- very silly that people send me, and I especially uh, have come to like the I've got good news, I've got bad news jokes. And somebody sent me this recently, and it's, it's really stupid, but I'll share it anyway. Uh, there was a woman who was waiting at the airport for her husband to return from a skydiving lesson. And the pilot of the plane went into the terminal and found the woman and said to her about her husband, I have some bad news, some good news, some more bad news, and some more good news. Well, what is it, she asked. Well, the bad news is your husband fell out of the plane. The good news is he had his parachute on. The bad news is that he hit the ground before his chute could open. The good news is that the plane had not taken off and we were still on the runway. (laughs) (laughs) Or this one, the bad news is that I broke up with Lorraine. She She found out I was seeing Claire Lee The good news is I can see clearly now that Lorraine is gone. (laughs) Shut (laughs) That's really dumb, sorry. Well, good news, bad news jokes come to my mind because we live in a good news, bad news world, don't we? And a lot of the bad news is anything but funny. And the bad news is that there's a lot of bad stuff happening and what feels like a lot of darkness out there. And as I said last week, as I began this short two-part sermon series, I'm not going to list the examples of bad stuff and darkness because we're all too familiar with what I'm talking about. But although we're surrounded by darkness, and there is a lot of darkness, and that's bad news, there is some very, very, very good news. And that good news is that you and I are anything but helpless. We're not helpless. We can do a lot about the dark stuff if we keep focused. Well, this week I conclude a two-part series I I began last week on how we can show up as people and spread God's light and spread God's love in the midst of all the darkness around us. You see, if we pay attention, we are empowered by God to make a difference, to challenge all the darkness that's around us, to turn things around, and to bring all sources of light and love to the forefront wherever we find ourselves. And as God is light and as God is love, it's imperative for us to remember that in the midst of the darkness we encounter, to keep in mind that God's light, God's love, always prevails. Period. You see, we who are filled with God's Spirit, and therefore God's light and love, we can make a choice daily to shine God's light and spread God's love, we can make that choice day in and day out. Don't let anybody tell you you don't have that choice. We all do. Or we can make the decision, as some people do, to feed and be peddlers of the losing entity of darkness. And we have darkness peddlers all around us. Should we choose to spread light and love, we will find ourselves infused with energy from God to make a difference for good. And to do so, we need to stay connected to and grounded in God. To shine God's light and love, we need to continue to plug into God's power, if you will. 
You may remember last week that I shared that King David of Israel, by the way, he was a shepherd before he was king. He was an astonishing leader. He unified the country of Israel. He brought in a long period of peace and social justice, and he led with great wisdom. We might even say he spread the light of God around him. And he did this even though his life was extraordinarily difficult and painful at times. But despite his heartaches and his sometimes massive blunders, he was a light spreader because he remained so connected and plugged into God. Now, as I said, David was a shepherd. And one way that he stayed focused and connected and plugged into God was to keep, I believe, the words of Psalm 23 front and center in his life. Many people think that David wrote the 23rd Psalm during a very difficult period of his life when he was being attacked from all fronts. You see, the words of the Psalm that he wrote, inspired by God, grounded him, kept him centered, and enabled him to do all that he did and to be a light spreader, not a darkness peddler. And I believe... As I said last week, and we'll continue this week, Psalm 23, if we digest it, focus on it, plug into it, eat it, embrace it, that it'll help us to plug into God and spread God's light and be love spreaders, not darkness peddlers. Well, last week, using a variety of sources, we began exploring Psalm 23 and how David plugged into each verse as a way of staying connected to God, which enabled him to do all that he did. And here's what we've covered thus far in Psalm 23. As expressed in Psalm 23, David knew that if he gave his life to God day in and day out and followed God as a sheep follows a shepherd, David knew that if he learned to live in the moment and not worry about the next or tomorrow, if he knew that he turned his fears and conflicts and frustrations day in and day out over to God, he knew if he agreed to let God be God and released his burdens to God. He knew if he created room for God's peace and asked God to renew and restore him. He knew if he did these things, as he expressed in the psalm, he knew if he did these things, that it would enable him to challenge all that was wrong around him, to challenge the darkness, and to change things for the better. And it's all because he was so connected to God through the words that he wrote that grounded him. Last week's sermon is on our webpage if you want to check it out. But for now, I want to continue with the psalm and how the words inform David's life. So from where we left off last week, the next line in the psalm reads, He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, David wrote at a time that he was being attacked. Well, as I mentioned, there's a lot of darkness around us. And that darkness often compels us and entices us to do things that are not so righteous. But God, however, works to lead us away from darkness by giving us moment-to-moment -moment opportunities every day of our lives to do the right thing to follow a path of righteousness. David knew that to focus on righteousness or doing the right thing when so much was going in the wrong direction would keep him connected to God. And he knew he, need, he, knew he needed to make moment-to-moment -moment choices to do the right thing 
even when doing the right thing was hard. And the same thing is true for us. The more we focus on doing the right thing and ignoring the temptations to do the wrong thing, the more we will be light and love spreaders. And while doing the right thing can be very challenging at times, often knowing what the right thing to do is not very hard to figure out. It really isn't. We know what the right thing to do is. You see, the right thing always involves love at its core. Always. Always. And the wrong thing to do always reflects love's absence. Always. So as you're watching TV pundits and politicians and all the junk that's going on in our country, across the political domains, when people are peddling darkness, ask yourself, am I hearing a message of love in what is being said here? Or is this more peddling of darkness? And what's the right thing I'm being called to do today, in this moment? Is it loving? That's what guided David, doing the right thing. The next line of the psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. David wrote this. David was a shepherd. He knew that sheep are on the move. He knew that the season determines where sheep are at any given moment. There's a time when sheep need to be led up a mountain, usually in the summer season, to where the grasses are growing and there's water. And given the geography of Israel, to go up a mountain meant that you had to travel through a valley. Valleys were often in the shadows. Valleys were places where there were predators. So to walk through the valley of the shadow of death literally meant to David, as he wrote this, and metaphorically meant to go through a place that is threatening and dangerous where death can happen. Remember, King Saul was after him, or his predecessor was after him. He was in a valley But here's what Keller to Shepherd writes about this in slightly adapted form. This verse is a consolation to those who are passing through the dark valley of death. Death is but the dark valley opening up into an eternity of delight with God. I love that line. Death is but a dark valley opening out into an eternity of delight with God. It's not something to fear, but an experience through which we pass on the path to a more perfect life. He also writes, the darkest valley, though, doesn't only represent death, but the distressing, difficult days we endure in life. And David was clearly talking about both when he wrote this verse. He was going through a dark valley. And just like sheep are led through dark valleys to a beautiful place, dark valleys, David was reminded, may not be things to avoid, as they may be the route to a better place. And when we can learn to see dark valleys as a potential path to a better place, as David did, it can help us see that dark places don't have the final word, that dark places often lead to something so much better, whether in this life or the next, so we can let go of fear and embrace hope. And this idea of passing through a dark valley enabled David to be encouraged and to do what he did. And so when we're in dark valleys, if we can remember that they're leading us through to something better, it can help us be light spreaders. The next line, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod. Well, the rod was used to defend sheep. 
and it demonstrated the power of the shepherd. As one person writes, if a shepherd saw a sheep wandering away or getting near danger, the shepherd might have tossed the rod near the animal to get the animal to scurry back to the shepherd. And aside from the rod, there was a staff, which was a long stick with a crook or a hook on the end. And the shepherd could use the hook to draw a sheep in close or to guide the sheep on the path or to put gentle pressure on the sheep to encourage it to move in a different direction. And David clearly used this image of rod and staff to remind him of the deep personal relationship, not only between sheep and a shepherd, but between God and himself. I have God who is working to keep me from danger. I have a God who is nudging me to go in the right direction. I have a God who is intimate with me. And by focusing on this kind of intimacy with God, by trusting it, and by following the nudges he felt from God, his shepherd, like a shepherd with a crook, the more resilient he became and the more empowered he was to be the leader that he was. By focusing on intimacy with God, we too are in a better position to spread light and love. The next line, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The Spanish word mesa means table. And mesas or table lands were sought out for shepherds during the summer months. One person knows that when David wrote prepare a table, he meant the high summer range, the table lands or the mesas. And here's what's interesting is shepherds went ahead of the flock to inspect the table lands to find a great place to feed them. The shepherd went ahead of the sheep. The shepherd also inspected the tablelands looking for poisonous weeds that were toxic to sheep. Such plants were enemies of the sheep. David had this image of an enemy because Saul was his enemy. On tablelands, there were also a variety of predators like coyotes and wolves. So to prepare a table in the presence of enemies means to prepare the place for sheep in summer where there will be abundant food yet in the midst of things that are harmful. This image helped David to remind himself there's abundance even though there's harm around me. And through this image of a table in the midst of enemies, David was reminded that God went ahead of him in every situation that was challenging. That God's intent is goodness. That God wishes for us to have gladness even in the midst of sadness. And these reminders encouraged David and motivated David to be who he was. The next line, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. One shepherd writes that shepherds used to apply oil to a sheep's head and nose. This protected them from insect bites. And also sheep crashed their heads into one another. And so by applying oil, the sheep's heads are lubricated so when they collide, they glance off of each other, meaning there's less injury. And regarding the cup, shepherds would pour water and wine down the throats of a coal lamb or sheep to warm them up and to give them energy. David turned to these images of God to remind him of God's care for him, of God's desire to make things better for him when things are hard, to help him remember that the energy that he needed comes from God, not from himself. And all of this propelled and enabled David to do what he did. And then the final verse of the psalm, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
David's life was massively threatened on all fronts. Yet he writes that goodness and God's mercy would be with him through the good and the bad. Now he was alive long before Paul wrote these words in the letter to the Romans, but Paul wrote that nothing can separate us from God's love, nothing at all. David knew this. And right now in this life, we are with God, and in the next two, we will be with God. It'll be a homecoming like sheep returning to a pasture after a long summer away. And David knew that nothing would ever separate him from God. And because of this, he was emboldened to do the right thing, even when things were difficult. Psalm 23 changed David's life. And I believe it has much to offer us as we journey in our own lives. Here's a summary of what the psalm reminds us of if we pay attention. We can choose to follow God closely. We can choose to trust God. God is in control even when things do not appear that way. God offers us peace especially as we hand our burdens over to God. God continually guides us to do the right thing. God will meet our needs in the moment, and God invites us to focus on the moment, not the next or tomorrow. God is the ultimate source of strength, serenity, and confidence. God restores us and renews us. God invites us to turn our fears, conflicts, and aggravations over to God and to seek God's power for hard times. Light, not darkness, has the final word. And God is intimately connected to us and wants what is good for us. These concepts inform David's entire life when things were hard and enabled him to show up in the world in the way that he did. So, I want to close with this this morning. Again, just to restate. There's darkness all around us. Don't feed it. Let's not peddle it. Turn all the news off. We don't need to participate in the darkness. Instead, we can live as children of light and spread God's love everywhere. And I want to fly very quickly. This could be a sermon series, so this is going to take just a minute. But I want to fly through some thoughts of how we spread light. Aside from digesting Psalm 23, remember as we say all the time, over and 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 over again at the chapel, that the essence of our faith is love. Nothing else matters. Nothing matters more. This can remind us that if something is not loving, it's not from God. It's a darkness feeder. Love takes the dark out of darkness, replacing it with light. So let's all together work as hard as we can to make our day in and day out decisions, actions, thoughts, words, statements, presence about love. And that's a choice. In addition, remember what Scripture says about how we need to show up in the world. This is what we find in Scripture. Two short little statements from two different places. Scripture says, if we want to basically be light spreaders, focus on whatever is just, 
whatever is true, whatever is pure and honorable, pleasing, commendable. Think about these things. That's a way to be a light spreader. Also, Scripture invites us to make our lives about joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how you be a light spreader. And to spread light and love, I believe we need to acknowledge that we all blow it, that we all make mistakes. We need to cut each other and ourselves a lot of slack. We need to be willing to say, I'm sorry, and to express remorse. That's a way of spreading light because those things lead to reconciliation and restoration. Admit our blunders. Not something popular to do. Admit our blunders. Admit our faux pas. Make things right. To spread light and love, listen more than talk, and especially learn to do what Jesus said in our reading today, which is to pray for those that you absolutely cannot stand. Great way to spread light. Hard as hell to do. And an irritating thing that Jesus asks from us. To spread light and love, it's helpful to remember the words of one, Psalm 139. And the basic point of that psalm that we heard today is there's no place that God is not. What this tells me is that our faith life is not here, our work life is not here, our uh, family life is not here, our, our, our life is not compartmentalized. There's no separation between the sacred and the secular. Want to go to church? Go to City Market. Want to go to church? Sit at the top of Sam's knob. Want to go to church? Stand in the voting booth. Want to go to church? Watch how you're managing your business or your classroom. Church is everywhere because God is everywhere. And the more we don't separate the secular from the sacred, the more we become light spreaders. And then lastly, there's a great hymn. Some of you are familiar with it. Kathleen Thomerson wrote it. And it's the hymn, I Want to Walk as a Child of the Light. We've sung it here many times. But embedded within these lyrics are three lines. I want to follow Jesus. I want to look at Jesus. And I want to be with Jesus. What a great mantra to wake up with every morning. I want to follow Jesus. I want to look at Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. That helps us be light spreaders. So as we move toward Good Friday and Easter in the coming weeks, I invite us all to ponder these things and to remember light, darkness. The choice is completely ours. And we can change things around us in dramatic ways. So let's spend some moments in quiet prayer.